The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank. News and comment. March 9th, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. We'll get to the national security threat that may be posed by the new White House with new dots to connect. But today, your health and your money get our attention first. Time of death, 4.30 a.m. That's the moment Republicans in Congress officially killed Obamacare after 18 hours of debate. Their replacement plan, such as it is, has already been declared by members of both parties as dead on arrival. Created in secret, we're still sorting out that plan to repeal and replace Obamacare, but it's far from a done deal. The replacement had been promised weeks ago. The doctor bill paying public was anxious or had written off the changes, thinking they might not even happen. But before they rolled out House Bill H-157, it was kept in a secret room somewhere on the Capitol grounds. Kentucky firebrand Rand Paul put it this way, it's the secret office of the secret bill. Some congressmen even went looking for that room and that bill. Marilyn Steny Hoyer and a handful of other Democrats spread out to find them. Nancy Pelosi offered up a couple of canines. The Twitter hashtag, where's the bill, caught on. And then H-157 finally appeared, a bill that would, we were told, offer better coverage for less money and stabilize the insurance market. Well, it's actually just a rough outline, say Republicans, who promise more details any time now. In other words, we still don't have specifics like what it'll cost or how many citizens it will or won't cover. The replacement law would not require you to get insurance, as did Obamacare, and it would not penalize you if you didn't. The new plan would instead offer what Republicans call an incentive, a tax credit that can be big or small depending on your age, income, and other factors. So we're still looking at millions of people falling through the cracks, maybe 20, 30 million. The number of people with health insurance in this country, currently 24 million, is now expected to drop after several years of growth. More people fall through the cracks when it comes to pre-existing conditions. Insurance companies will still have to offer insurance for those of us who have them, but we have no idea what it'll cost. You would be able to shop across state lines, a first ever. Young people can still stay on their parents' policies till they're 26, but Medicaid expansion will be rolled back. We know this much. If you make 30000 a year and pay 1000 in federal income taxes, you'd get a $3,000 break with replacement care. Minus your $1,000 in taxes, you get 2000 bucks to help you buy health insurance. That's less than half of what you got under Obamacare. We know that because the new system is partly based on age. A 27-year-old just getting by gets a tax credit half the size of a 60-year-old's. And there's a $3,000 penalty if you let your ten grand a year policy lapse. And then there's the total freeze on Medicaid to take place in the year 2020. Medicaid would be replaced by block grants to states that would likely be inadequate. One Democrat's proposed changing the name of the bill to the Republican Pay More for Less Act. And even what we know so far about replacement care may change. Despite being both nebulous and ominous, many key Republicans are confident they'll get this bill passed. Trump says he supports it and hopes it passes quickly. But at least five Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, say they won't support a plan that cuts back Medicaid. Neither will Democrats. If the bill doesn't win back three of those five objecting Republicans, it won't pass. 
Quoting Rand Paul again, we are united on repeal but divided on replacement. Conservatives think the new plan is still too much like Obamacare. Some mainstream Republicans don't like the Medicaid shrinkage. And the public is rightly skeptical. A poll just before this rough sketch was released showed more of us opposed to removing the mandate that helps cover those who can't afford insurance. 50% of us want to keep the mandate. 48% say drop it. 50% are against basing the new system on age. 46% like it. 61% don't want Medicaid expansion curbed. But much of Obamacare has already been ripped away, so we remain in limbo as we ferret out the Republican details. The mysterious and ever-deepening Trump-Russia connection continues to cause grave concern, and it continues to inspire lifelong public servants to risk their families' incomes and their careers to leak what we do know, what might otherwise be suppressed. The reality of that connection has become more clear as the FBI stands up to Trump again, this time asking the Justice Department to deny Trump's latest outrageous claim that President Obama wiretapped the phones at Trump Tower before the election. We'll get back to the FBI's troubles, but that agency was insulted by the implication it had broken the law, as far-fetched as that implication is. First, a president cannot order wiretapping. That can only happen with a warrant issued by the intelligence court, known as FISA. Second, Obama and other government officials, including former National Security Director James Clapper, strongly deny there ever was such a warrant, and they just as strongly deny the wiretapping. Third, Trump has a colorful history of false claims that millions voted illegally in the last election, that Barack Obama was born somewhere other than the United States, that Ted Cruz's father was involved in the assassination of JFK, and just under 200 other false claims just since Inauguration Day. Still, there was the leader of the free world, up early Saturday morning, tweeting four times about this wiretapping claim, once comparing Obama to Richard Nixon, at a time similar feeble comparisons were being made with Trump. If the tweets were meant to distract us from all this Russia talk, they only made it worse, and it further hurt the credibility of the President of the United States around the world. After four tweets about that, Trump went back to tweeting about Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Apprentice. Trump had apparently seen speculation on the conservative Breitbart website, formerly run by Trump advisor Steve Bannon, Trump made his declaration with absolutely no evidence, just an article about speculation on a conspiracy talk show. One of Breitbart's talk hosts had floated the idea, and Trump was convinced it was true and said so before asking Congress to investigate what he'd already decided. A dutiful Republican Congress, which many believe should focus on investigating the Russia connection, has agreed to also investigate what Trump has already decided to be true, the wiretapping of the phones at Trump Tower before the election. Trump saw this wiretapping talk at about the same time many were wondering if there was any key player in the Trump administration who hadn't met with the Russian ambassador during the campaign. Trump's son-in-law and close advisor Jared Kushner met with Sergei Kislyak. So did former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. So did National Security Advisors Carter Page, Volod Ferris, and J.D. Gordon, and Trump political advisor Roger Stone. That we know of. After Jeff Sessions and Mike Flynn denied talking with Sergei Kislyak during the campaign, we now know they did too, although both say it wasn't about the campaign. All worked on the campaign, but during this February 16th news conference, 
Trump said nobody I know of in the campaign had been in contact with Russian officials. But at least nine had. Ten, if you count Trump. Trump also met with Kislyak during the campaign, briefly in April, but with what was described at the time as a warm greeting, followed by a speech in which Trump said he was keeping his mind open about dealing with Russia. U.S. intelligence says the Russian ambassador is also a spy and a recruiter. Here are three possibly helpful clues. Today, wherever Air Force One goes, so goes a plane carrying Dmitry Raboliev, Russia's king of fertilizer. It has so far followed Trump's plane to Las Vegas, Miami, Burbank, California, and Concord, New Hampshire. Raboliev had also previously bailed Trump out of trouble with a bank by giving Trump $60 million profit on a home Raboliev purchased and then destroyed. Russia's economics minister for six years at its embassy in Washington was suddenly called back to Moscow just as two intelligence agencies were investigating his involvement in the U.S. election. Mikhail Kalugin is no longer available to answer questions about an alleged veterans' pension scam aimed at financing the Russian interference operation presumably used to pay hackers and fake news posters. The Keystone Pipeline Trump promised would be built of American steel? 40% of that steel will now come from Russia. And it was at about the time of the Republican convention last summer that Trump's then-campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was visited for a second time that year by a Russian national that U.S. intelligence also believes is a spy. This in a new report from Politico. Konstantin Kalimnik now says he was here to get the administration of the man his government was helping to elect to soften the U.S. stand against Russian aggression in Ukraine. He apparently succeeded because the Trump campaign had only one thing to contribute to that convention's party platform, that the U.S. soften its stand against Russian aggression in Ukraine. At the time, Trump and Manafort both denied any knowledge of their campaign demanding that particular platform plank. Their campaign asked for it, but they didn't remember it, they said. But now one of Trump's own people, National Security Advisor J.D. Gordon, says he did it, did exactly that. And he says he did it because Donald Trump asked him to. More dots, more connected, nearly every day. Despite another expensive weekend at his Palm Beach resort, Trump was reportedly miserable for much of it, angry at his staff for letting Russia put a damper on his triumphant, for him, speech to Congress early last week, and angry at Republicans for not backing his certainty that Obama had bugged his building. And he ordered his White House counsel to try to find out if there had been any federal warrants to tap his phones. He sent the White House counsel to ask what they had on his boss, even after being called out for sending White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus to get the FBI to deny the Trump-Russia story. In both cases, that violated the separation that's supposed to exist between the White House and law enforcement. Meanwhile, Christopher Steele, the British spy who collected data he says the Russians had gathered on Trump, has re-emerged after going into hiding, fearful he'd be the next victim of a Russian president who keeps assassinating his political enemies. Recently, a Russian intelligence officer was dragged out of a meeting with a bag over his head and hasn't been seen since, suspected of leaking those sordid Russian details on Trump to that former MI6 spy. So Christopher Steele had reason to worry. Steele had concluded in his report that Russia and the Trump campaign actively worked together, colluded in these alleged crimes even after word of Russian interference had gotten out to the public. 
but we may now get to hear from this undercover man with the first public congressional hearing on Russia and the election set for March 20th, and ranking Democrat Adam Schiff saying he and the others will fly to London if necessary to talk with Steele about what he learned and how and why. Nearly two-thirds of us would rather see all of this investigated by an independent special prosecutor, 65% of us. Fewer than one in three of us think it should be left to Congress. A majority of Americans, 55%, say they are somewhat or very concerned about a Trump-Russia connection. 17% say they were not too concerned. Now that Attorney General Jeff Sessions has rightly recused himself from the case, who at the Justice Department would investigate? At his confirmation hearing, the man nominated to be Trump's deputy attorney general told lawmakers he would not promise to appoint a special prosecutor. Rod Rosenstein says he'd have to get confirmed first so he could see all the data. Even then, why would Rosenstein be willing to investigate his boss, Jeff Sessions? Now, more about the equally mysterious FBI and its equally mysterious director, James Comey. When Jeff Sessions didn't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth at his confirmation hearing about his meeting with the Russian ambassador, the FBI could have said something to the lawmakers considering him as attorney general. Because the FBI had known for some time about Sessions' meeting with Sergei Kislyak. It's known since November. But the FBI said nothing to Congress or anyone else. And it's still saying nothing to Congress, apparently now blocking the Capitol Hill investigation. Director Comey met for three hours last Friday behind closed doors with the lawmakers on the House Select Intelligence Committee. FBI man Comey refused to satisfy their curiosity, saying simply, I won't answer that. California Democrat Adam Schiff, co-chair of the Intelligence Committee and perhaps the most even-tempered man in the Capitol, says if Comey doesn't start talking, the head of the FBI is about to get a subpoena from Congress. Comey is scheduled to testify at that March 20th hearing, along with other past and present intelligence officials. But it cannot go without notice that the FBI is an arm of the Justice Department, run by Jeff Sessions, who met with Sergei Kislyak during the campaign, even after he knew Russia had been cited by U.S. intelligence for interfering in our election. And it cannot go without notice that the head of the House Intelligence Committee was headed by Devin Nunes, who worked on the Trump transition team, and that the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Richard Burr, was a national security advisor to the Trump campaign. In the meantime, congressional investigators are relying on information they've gotten from British and Dutch intelligence. Aloha from Hawaii, one of the states in a lawsuit that successfully beat down the first Trump Muslim ban, now the first state to fight Trump's new Muslim ban. And that lawsuit will land on the bench of the Ninth Circuit Court, the same court that struck down Plan A even before it goes into effect, if possible. The new plan bans travel for three months from six mostly Muslim countries, with Iraq no longer on the list. It also stops refugees running from terrorism from entering the U.S. for four months and cuts the yearly number allowed by more than half. It no longer stops green card or visa holders and no longer gives preferential treatment to non-Muslims. But Hawaii will fight Trump's Plan B on these four points, that the White House has shown no need for the ban, citing no particular threats based on U.S. intelligence, that there is no urgency despite Trump's tweet, if the ban were announced with a one-week notice, the bad would rush into our country during that week. His new ban goes into effect 10 days 
after being signed as an executive order. Third, according to a confirmed Homeland Security report obtained exclusively by MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, quote, citizenship likely unreliable indicator of terrorist threat to U.S., the Border Patrol, Immigration and Customs, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and the State Department all signed off on that report, which lays out a different plan for addressing Trump's concerns. The report also says most foreign-born violent extremists based in this country are radicalized after entering the U.S., so trying to stop them at the border won't work. Hawaii says the new ban isn't needed, isn't urgent, and won't work. In the meantime, here at home... The TSA has made universal its previously random pat-downs. Now more people will be subjected to this invasive search, including breasts, groin, and buttocks. People who cannot or will not be scanned or who set off the imaging scanner, along with people who buy their tickets with cash, purchase a one-way ticket, or who bought their tickets at the last minute or even in the last few days. The Department of Homeland Security says it's considering separating undocumented children from their parents if they're caught illegally crossing the border. The parents and their children would be housed in separate facilities. Quoting an immigration lawyer, he's going to be traumatizing young children even more than they are by pulling them away from their mother's arms. It's unbelievable. A Texas lawmaker calls it a violation of human rights more than border security. A 22-year-old dreamer who's lived in Mississippi since she was seven has now been deported without a hearing because she let her documents lapse. The owner of an art gallery in New York missed the opening of one of his exhibits here because he wasn't allowed to fly here from Argentina. He was sent back after being frisked and detained 14 hours at JFK without food, not even allowed to use his phone. He's lived here 10 years without trouble and opened his art gallery three years ago. No comment from Customs and Border. In Los Angeles, an undocumented resident was taken away from his daughter as he picked her up from school, hauled away by immigration, leaving his daughter in tears. The man had applied for a special visa, but that takes four years. Immigration says he has prior criminal convictions, but they didn't detail the crimes. Besides the human costs, there are business costs to Trump's extreme vetting. Immigration officials say they'll suspend for six months a program that expedites the arrival of foreigners brought here by American businesses as low-cost but highly skilled workers. By highly skilled, we're talking about engineers, technicians, professors, and medical personnel. Those 85,000 visas will now be slowed. And then there's the foreign relations cost. Mexico is now establishing what it calls defender centers in its 50 consulates across the U.S. to offer legal aid to immigrants targeted by Trump's immigration policy. And we have just learned that since Trump took office, illegal border crossings in the Southwest are down nearly 40%, even before any Trump policy had gone into effect, even before the building of that wall. The wall that's already up in the U.S. isn't made of bricks. The latest jaw-dropper from WikiLeaks, North Korea gets scarier, and lots more after this. With everything going on, it's easy to forget stuff including birthdays and anniversaries. Was it your sister this time? Your mom? Your spouse? With proflowers.com, you can schedule their gift ahead of time, any date you wish, and get back to your life. It's a special gift of beauty right to their door without costing a fortune. And with proflowers, it's always a perfect gift, guaranteed fresh for seven days or your money back, and they're not kidding. 
I've used Pro Flowers time and again, and they never let me or her down. She's always delighted when that box from Pro Flowers arrives at her door. And right now, because you listen to this report, you can save 10 bucks on any order of $29 or more if you enter the code RELM when you check out at ProFlowers.com. Flowers for as little as 19 bucks when you use the checkout code RELM. But that $10 off also applies to a range of flowers and plants, including a dozen red roses or their famous 100 blooms bouquet. And if you do forget a birthday or anniversary or forget just about anything, save 10 bucks and power this show by saying you're sorry with flowers and using the code RELM at proflowers.com. Thank you for using my sponsors and for supporting this free news through the PayPal button at buzzburbank.com. The wave of 2017 American hate crimes continues. Last Friday in Washington State, a 39-year-old man from India, possibly mistaken for a Muslim, was shot while working in his driveway. A man in a black mask fired the shot, shouting, Go home to your country. The FBI is investigating, along with local police, as a hate crime. The week before, two other men from India were shot in Kansas, one of them killed by a man who'd shouted, Get out of my country. And there have been more than a dozen new threats to Jewish centers. The FBI now making that investigation a top priority, as if it didn't have enough on its plate already. There have been 135 such threats since January from phone numbers masked by software, so we don't even know their country of origin. Now all 100 members of the Senate, Republican and Democrat, have signed a letter of concern about those threats. So there's that. WikiLeaks dropped another bomb this week with the release of thousands of documents that show how the CIA does some of its listening. It is, we're told, the biggest CIA breach in history, as big as the Ed Snowden breach at the NSA. The report reveals the CIA has several million hundred lines of code for over a thousand Trojans, viruses, hacking, and malware, more code than they use to run Facebook. The report shows the CIA can listen through iPhones, Androids, Microsoft Windows, and Samsung Smart TVs. It can even get around encryption apps, including the popular WhatsApp or Signal. WikiLeaks has redacted names from the report, and it didn't leak any of the CIA's cyber weapon codes. The report says some of the CIA's cyber weapons have been stolen. Our enemies now know how we listen even if they didn't get the codes we used to do that. WikiLeaks says it got the report because someone at the CIA leaked it. It says the CIA let that data get away by sharing it with 5,000 users. Apple says it's already fixed its vulnerability. Samsung, Microsoft, and Google say they are urgently investigating. But WikiLeaks documents are historically accurate, for better or worse. The CIA has no comment, but WikiLeaks says it released the report to launch public debate about the CIA's cyber methods as they apply to American citizens, listening through a Samsung TV, for example. The CIA says it does not use these techniques on U.S. citizens. Vice President Mike Pence didn't break any laws, but he did use a private AOL email account to discuss national security issues and other government business, and he got hacked in the process. And that revelation flies in the face of Pence's harsh criticism of Hillary Clinton for using a private server for similar purposes. Pence says it's not the same at all that none of his stuff was classified, although Clinton's email topics were also not state secrets at the time they were written. 
Besides, says Pence, she used a private server while he used just regular email, if that makes a difference. Cybersecurity experts say it does make a difference that what Pence did was worse, that Pence would discuss by email records so sensitive they can't even be made public with a documents request. Our brand new interior secretary, the person tasked with protecting our wildlife and our habitat, is essentially telling the animals to eat lead. After riding to his first day at work on horseback, this was the first priority of Trump Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. Zinke's first official act was to rescind the Obama ban on lead tackle for fishing and lead bullets for hunting. The lead weights used by people who fish contaminate the water in the same way as the drinking water in Flint, Michigan. The lead then poisons other animals directly or indirectly. Scavengers are also exposed to lead. Ryan Zinke was a Montana congressman who believes the fossil fuel industry ought to be able to tap into our national parks, which he also now runs. Zinke was confirmed for guardianship of our nature with the help of 17 Democrats who voted yes. Also confirmed since my last report, Rick Perry to replace a nuclear physicist as head of the agency that oversees all things nuclear in this country. The former Texas governor and Dancing with the Stars contestant got the gig as energy secretary because of his boost to the fossil fuel industry in that state. Perry didn't know until he was nominated the agency he now runs is also in charge of the nukes. During his short run for president last year, Perry proposed eliminating the department and then, in a debate, forgot that part of his proposal. Another presidential wannabe, pediatric neurosurgeon Ben Carson, is now in charge of our public housing projects and more. Carson has also been confirmed, and with the help of five Democrats, after saying he's not experienced enough to lead a government agency. That's unfortunate, since Housing and Urban Development has an 8,000-employee roster and a budget of nearly $50 billion a year. And Carson made a splash as he addressed the employees of that department for the first time this week. He said that Africans brought here as slaves centuries ago were immigrants who dreamed of prosperity in their new land. That, said Carson, is what America is about, a land of dreams and opportunity. Our new housing and urban development under Trump and Carson issued a statement saying the employees knew what he meant. Immigrants, responded the NAACP. Offensive, said the Anne Frank Center. This can't be real, tweeted Chelsea Clinton. Ah, but it is, said the journalist. Perhaps Carson won't be able to do much damage as his boss, Trump, has proposed cutting $6 billion from the HUD budget with a $2 billion cut in public housing. But the personnel vacuum continues in the Trump administration with scores of vacancies. Hardest hit is the U.S. State Department, especially after a mass walkout of lifelong nonpartisan personnel and massive budget cuts there. And all of that comes at a troubling time. It may have been more than the usual saber-rattling when North Korea test-fired mid-range ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan Monday. North Korea now admits they were rehearsals for attacking U.S. military bases in Japan and that one of the missiles could have been intercontinental. One of those missiles fell over 600 miles out after being launched 160 miles into the air. A U.N. resolution bans the North from using ballistic missiles and the U.N. has strongly condemned this latest test. But North Korea has been developing its ability to hit the U.S. mainland with a missile. Russia 
says Kim Jong-un's weapons are just for defense in case North Korea is attacked by the U.S., and those weapons are controlled by North Korea's irrational, unpredictable leader. But the test launch was also a slap in the face of China, which had warned North Korea against such moves in a meeting just days before the missiles were launched. China, like the rest of the world, is again condemning North Korea for this week's test, and since talking hasn't worked, China's reportedly ready to use more trade sanctions. But this is all very complicated. The U.S. has already been forging ahead with the THAAD missile system in South Korea to keep North Korea and anyone else who threatens our interests at bay. China is as much against that American missile project as is North Korea, because it puts China's every move within range of U.S. radar. But China's also worried the more quickly North Korea advances its weapons, the more quickly the U.S. will go ahead and finish the THAAD missile project. And things were already tense between the U.S. and China, as China continues to claim new territory in the international waters of the South China Sea. And now Trump has warned of, quote, very dire consequences for North Korea following this week's missile launch, and he stressed the importance of using all military resources in the U.S. to combat North Korea's nuclear program. China's foreign minister worries the U.S. and North Korea are on a collision course, and he's recommending North Korea drop its nuclear program and that the U.S. stop the joint military drills with South Korea because those drills provoke North Korea. Neither country seems willing to bend, however, and the U.S. has begun moving that Fed weapon system into place. We may be seeing the first signs of Trump's presidency translating into cash for the Trump business empire. China has, meanwhile, just approved 38 more trademarks for Trump covering products and services he plans to sell there. Trump already holds 70 Chinese trademarks. And all of his China business operations appear to be in violation of the U.S. Constitution, which prohibits federal officials from profiting through a foreign government. While dedicated government servants and journalists continue to try to do their job, sometimes they just have to throw up their hands. Kellyanne Conway, standing in front of a White House logo at the White House, promoting Ivanka Trump's fashion line, might be one of those times. The ethics office says what Conway did was a violation. The independent, nonpartisan, nonpolitical Office of Government Ethics does not have the power to discipline Conway, but it strongly recommended that the White House, which does have that authority, penalize Conway in some way for misusing the power of the People's House to promote a Trump brand. Usually, that's what a White House would do, but we've sailed past what is usual. This White House now says it will take no disciplinary action on Conway, it says she now realizes her mistake and has promised it won't happen again. The government ethics office could pursue this, but with perhaps bigger fish to fry, why bother? Some Baltimore police officers assigned to get illegally possessed guns off the streets there have been arrested for robbing citizens, filing false reports, including reporting a half million dollars in overtime they never worked. Of the seven officers now facing federal racketeering charges, four reportedly stole $200,000 last year from a safe they'd opened. They allegedly stole property at that location as well. That was in March. In August, four of the seven reportedly stole drugs and 1700 bucks from a man they'd traffic stopped and then released. That same day, three of the officers allegedly stole $1,500 from a maintenance supervisor at a nursing home. 
As for the half million in overtime, one of the officers claimed he was working OT while he was actually on vacation in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Baltimore PD is reportedly reforming itself after the Justice Department found it had been stopping people illegally and using excessive force, mostly in poor black neighborhoods. The cops, now accused of being robbers, reportedly took their three-quarters of a million dollars, while six other officers were beating the charges they had caused the death of Freddie Gray. In the 1990s and early 2000s, Arkansas was putting to death about two people a year, and then it stopped with a lethal injection that became mired in legal and operational concerns. And then it got hard to get the drugs for such an execution. Drug factories refused to keep making it for that purpose. So there have been no executions in Arkansas for 11 years now. Next month, under an order from the governor, there will be eight executions, two a day on four separate days over a 10-day period. Critics are calling it a mass execution, an assembly line of death at a rapid pace with a drug they say causes death through torture. Critics are also predicting that in the rush, one or more of the execution attempts will be botched because of the drugs being used. Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl had already done five years as a prisoner of the Taliban. Back in the U.S. now, he faces charges of deserting his post and his fellow soldiers in Afghanistan only to be captured by the Taliban. During the campaign, it sounded as though Trump had already tried, convicted, and sentenced Bergdahl, calling him a dirty, rotten traitor and suggested execution by firing squad. Bergdahl's lawyers thought that prejudicial statement could get the charges against Bergdahl dropped, despite the anger at Bergdahl from many active-duty military veterans and conservatives. It didn't work. The judge called the president's remarks disturbing, but ruled that no reasonable person would take them to heart, that Bergdahl has not and will not be denied a fair trial. And the judge ruled Bergdahl's lawyers can bring up Trump's comments repeatedly while selecting the jury, and that they can again ask that the case be dropped as the trial gets underway in about two weeks. International Women's Day was marked this year by demonstrations across the country and marches for women's rights in New York, D.C., L.A., and Philadelphia. It was billed as a day without a woman. To emphasize their importance, women avoided shopping and restaurants. As always, they're demanding equal pay for equal work equal job security, and an end to sexual harassment in the workplace. So many teachers took part in the event. Schools were closed in at least three states from a personnel shortage. The women who participated also chose to emphasize their importance by wearing red that day. But the color pink is also in the news, along with sex, weed, and science, plus Oscar's movie review. In the third and final segment, up next, Isn't This What You Want?, a smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides like butter and comes right to your door at half the cost of the big-name brands? That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's. From the hefty, balanced handle that fits your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a travel cover to Harry's rich, lathering shave gel. It all started when Harry's founders Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices again and again and made a fortune while we all spent a fortune. Jeff and Andy quickly discovered the problem, the middlemen. So they bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over a 100 years, so they can ship top-quality blades directly to you. The result? 
quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. And that's the Harry's story. Become part of it. Go to harrys.com right now to try their new shave set free of charge. You just pay the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. And because you're a loyal listener to this newscast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave balm. But only if you log on to harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. This week's science news is short and discouraging. The Trump administration is proposing deep cuts in the budget of the agency that predicts our weather and changes in the Earth's climate. The scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration are hoping you will call your senators and representatives about this since the Trump budget is far from set in stone at this point. The Trump White House is considering a 17% cut in NOAA's budget while it increases military spending by $54 billion. That move opposed by most Americans polled. The NOAA cuts would end the monitoring of our coastlines and cut climate change research in two departments by 25% each, while cuts are also being made at the EPA. These are the plans of an administration and Congress that don't care much for science or proof of climate change, but care deeply about drilling and digging for more fossil fuels, which will damage the atmosphere even more. They care about the money. A former NOAA administrator says the cuts are short-sighted and will do significant damage. Environmental groups call the cuts alarming, and they say they'll make the nation and the world less safe. Quoting one climate campaigner, The sky's not falling, but there's a bit of thunder out there, and it's looking a little dark. I realize you're already aware of some of my news before the weekly show drops, but I do find things that give the stories a bit more depth and I hope a bit more understanding like this one. It was a man, a Purple Heart recipient, veteran and Marine, who exposed a private Facebook group that featured dozens of enlisted women in nude and partially nude photos. This veteran Marine turned journalist also found on the page a link to a Google Drive account that had even more pics. And it wasn't just photos. The women's names, ranks and locations or duty stations were there. Some of the women are officers. One woman appears to have been the target of a sexual assault in those photos. Many of the photos were provided or allowed by consenting women, all of them publicly unbecoming for a Marine. But none of those women consented to having the photos published, so they are all also the victims. A number of photos were taken without the woman's knowledge or consent. The hundreds of men who took those photos and the men who posted them online in this private Facebook group have also not conducted themselves as Marines. There will be a lot of discipline to dish out, and that may include some or all of the 30,000 members of that private Facebook page. The page showed those members have other interests, rape, the bullying of religious minorities, people of color, the overweight, and of course the LGBT community. The Pentagon says NCIS is investigating, while the author of the story, Purple Heart recipient Thomas Brennan, and his wife received threats, including her rape and his death. And Brennan says there's now also a bounty on his daughter. Quoting him, this story was published with the intention of standing up for what is right, spoken like a true Marine and a true journalist. Brennan's publication is The War Horse, but the story is now also being covered by the Marine Corps Times, New York Democrat Kristen Gillibrand wants a congressional investigation. Now the lighter notes we thought we'd never get to. 
The Israeli cabinet this week approved the decriminalization of marijuana. Possession of a small amount would net a fine. A fourth arrest would still result in criminal charges. Israeli police had already stopped arresting so many people for marijuana, and the country has boosted its medical marijuana research with an eye on making weed an agricultural export for Israel. With pot decriminalized, could peace in the Middle East be far behind? Our new Attorney General Jeff Sessions doesn't think so. Sessions says he's seen research that marijuana promotes violence. In the 1980s and 90s, before tech became what it is today, my hobby was electronics projects, and I knew this store's inventory and layout better than some of its employees. But my hobbies and electronics have changed. Radio Shack has filed for bankruptcy again, second time in 13 months. The last Chapter 11 filing forced the Shack to shutter well over 2,000 of its stores. This will close over 200 more, leaving only 1,300 behind. Radio Shack is not the only electronic store in trouble. H.H. Gregg, where I bought my last TV, has also filed for bankruptcy. And there's concern Best Buy may not be far behind as things keep changing. People flocked to see the movie Logan last weekend, which sold nearly $90 million in tickets. Will it be the number one this weekend? And what's new at the movies? Here's this week's preview from Realm Network Arts and Entertainment Editor Omar Latiri, brought to you by Fandango. Opening this weekend, March 10th, 2017. There aren't a lot of choices for those who don't live near an art house theater, as most of this new week's releases are only playing in select theaters. We have The Dark Below, a movie in which a woman struggles for survival beneath a frozen lake while a serial killer stalks her from the surface. The Dark Below is unrated. There's The Ottoman Lieutenant, a Turkish production starring Ben Kingsley about a love story between an idealistic American nurse and a Turkish officer in World War I, rated R. We also have Personal Shopper, a mystery thriller starring Kristen Stewart in a movie that revolves around a ghost story that takes place in the fashion underworld of Paris, rated R. For those who are in a documentary mood, there's My Scientology Movie. BBC journalist Louis Theroux documents his investigation into what goes on behind the scenes of the infamous Church of Scientology. My Scientology Movie is not rated. And finally, the only wide release opening this week, a movie featuring an all-star Academy Award-nominated and winning cast including Brie Larson, John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson, and Tom Hiddleston, it's Kong Skull Island. A new King Kong for a new generation, this movie has actually generated quite a few positive reviews. Kong Skull Island is rated PG-13. For Buzz Burbank News and Comment, I'm Omar Latiri. Thanks, Omar. For theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com and listen to Omar on his show, ARC, Arts Review and Commentary, right here at realmnetwork.com. This story is not for kids. If they're around, you or they need a 30-second timeout. This story is about a new British product called iCondom, which isn't a condom at all. Essentially, it's a Fitbit for your penis or a penis in your vicinity. It measures all kinds of things. There's no need to be specific here, but the imagination can run wild, as it did for the engineers who designed it. It also measures time invested, energy level, and calories burned, and connects with your phone by Bluetooth. Now in its final stage of testing, it'll sell for around 73 bucks. The idea is to monitor and improve performance. Then 
You can go online to see how you stack up against other iCondom users or not. Your call. Our 30 seconds is up. But one caution for everyone, a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. New research shows that monitoring your sleep with a fitness tracking device to improve your sleep patterns can actually make your sleep patterns worse. If you get stopped for suspicion of drunk driving and you're not drunk, try this. See if the officer will let you prove your sobriety the way one college student in Arkansas did. He got the officer to let him juggle something he also works into his magic act. And this young man is very good at juggling, so good, the officer took video of the sober juggler he just stopped. And finally, the color pink forced its way into the news this week. A salt lake in Australia turned bright pink. We're told it's from algae that's blossomed with a lack of sunshine and a lack of rain. People are advised not to drink it, not that salt water was ever that inviting. In Canada, bright pink water came out of people's taps in the town of Onaway, Alberta. Officials say it's a potassium permanganate from backwashing. And who are we to argue with that? The officials say you can drink it and cook with it, although many residents say they will do no such thing. And then there's the pink poop being reported across the U.S. from the new Peeps Oreo cookies Instead of the usual filling, these Oreos have a bright pink layer of that sugary Peeps marshmallow that also stains tongues and excrement. Nothing this exciting has happened since Burger King's Black Bun Burgers two Halloweens ago, prompting customers to note they had turned their poop a bluish green. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thanks for listening. And thank you for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank News and Comments. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.